Hi, I'm Simon Devereaux, Director of Global Talent Development at Framestore, and welcome back to the Framestore podcast, episode 29, part two. On Monday's episode, we engaged Martin McRae, head of the art department here at Framestore, in our 13-question grilling, otherwise known as the Framestore podcast dailies. On today's episode, we pass the mic to this week's guest co-host, production manager, Fern Hodgson, also from the art department. So without further delay, we very much hope you enjoy episode 29, part two of the Framestore podcast, our art department special. Welcome back to the podcast, the second instalment of our conversation with Martin McRae, head of the art department here at Framestore. This is where, as we're used to by now, we hand over to this week's guest co-host, Fern Hodgson, production manager also in the art department, who will continue the interview where we left off. So Fern, it is very much over to you. Thank you. You're welcome. Hi, Martin. Hello, Fern. Thank goodness Simon's gone. (laughs) (laughs) I'm nervous now. Yeah, me too. So (laughs) to summarise, your career history is you started off as an illustrator. Yes, I did, yeah. And then you blended your way into where you are now. But you went through the matte painted department, didn't you? Uh, Yeah, I started off. So like I said said on the last one, I, um, I did illustration for 10 years. So I was kind of, you know, so I was used to all the painting. So when I joined for the uh, Walking with Beasts project, I came in working under Darren Horley and under his team mm. um, after Mike um, Milne hired me. Um, I did that for a while. And then after doing that, I moved into matte painting. And I did that for quite a while on, on various films. And eventually I moved into environment supervisor, mm. sticking with environments. And then it was after that that I, I got into the art department. And then you, didn't you come into the art department and then you had to go back? Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Um, I ca- sort of came in for about a year, I think it was. And I went back into visual effects to work on a couple of movies. Mm. Um, one was Guardians of the Galaxy and the other one was Robocop. <laughs> The, the new remake of Robocop. Ah. So I did that for a while. And then, yes, when I came back into the art department after that, it was to, it was to run it. And did you find when you went into it, you had you decided to build the team differently or did you just pick up that team and it naturally progressed? Well, I, I came in sort of imposter syndrome, sort of <laughs> thinking, God, what am I doing? <laughs> Why am I here? Who? What do I have to do? Yeah, you know, it was literally a bit, a bit like that. And I, w- I was being very cautious. I basically observed how it was run, how it was working. I just did it very carefully because I didn't want to come in and change everything and then mess it up for the way it happened mm. up until that point. So it was kind of just sort of analyzing the way it was happening and then just slowly but surely just started sort of nudging it in a different way. Yeah. Um, just because, yeah, thinking it from the artist's point of view, if someone comes in and then tells you, no, don't do it like that, do it like this. Yeah, who's this guy? <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
who do you think you are? <laughs> so, yeah, no, I, I do it quite uh, in a gentle fashion, but I think it's probably the best way because of that way. Because they, they were in the middle of projects when I joined, rejoined them to, to run the team. So I didn't want to change the flow of how they were doing it because otherwise it could have been detrimental to the project. So. Oh, yeah. So you mentioned imposter syndrome. Yeah. Do you, do you get that often or is that something you are no. on top of? Um, I think it was, it was something when you, I think everyone kind of gets that to a certain degree when you start something new, you think, oh God, can I do this? Is this really correct? <laughs> um, especially when it's such a, a, a different sort of direction to what you were doing before. Yeah. But at the same time, it's kind of exciting because it spurs you on. And I think that's one thing that, um, you know, doing from what I did before joining Framesaw and then doing the art department, I think it kind of, Kind of, it's kind of exciting to change. Obviously, you, you need to mix things up now and again. Mm. So it's kind of head first, panic later. Yeah. <laughs> so would your advice be for imposter syndrome for anyone who faces it is just to keep going? Keep going. Um, I remember hearing, I think it was another podcast, someone was saying, what's that phrase? Fake it till you make it. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, just keep doing what you're doing, thinking you know what you're doing until you realise, oh yeah, I am doing it right. <laughs> um, I think everyone has that sort of niggling doubt in their mind at some point when they're doing something new. Mm, that's good. And uh, you grew up on the Isle of Lewis. I did indeed. A lot of people are going, where's that? <laughs> <laughs> Elaborate, please. <laughs> Actually, funny enough. Um, so okay, so Isle of Lewis is, I usually explain to people who don't know the way the Western Isles work in Scotland. So I usually go, you know where the Isle of Skye is? And then I go, well, it's the bigger one further out. <laughs> it sounds like you're giving directions. <laughs> Fair enough, you go up there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, I, I, I lived in, in Lewis until I was about 18, 19. And then I went to Aberdeen to study graphic design for two years. Mm. Um, but yeah, the, growing up in Isle of Lewis was... At the time, it, you think, oh, God, this place is boring. <laughs> but when I look back, oh, my God, it's an amazing place to live. Yeah. it's Because basically the, um, I lived in a village uh, in the family house, um, a village called Aganish, and it's a, in a sort of peninsula on the Isle of Lewis called Point. Hmm. And we lived right in the sort of cups, cusp between the main part of the island and um, Point. And five minutes' walk from the house, there was two beaches on either side wow. of this little peninsula. And we used to go and play in the beach every day and used to go, uh, everyone's doors were left open. No one would lock the door at night. It was just that kind of place. And you'd, you know, you'd clear off at the weekends and you'd clear off on your bike and you'd come back for your dinner. And, and you just, it was very free reign to do whatever you wanted to. Yeah. I used to, when I look back now, I thought, oh my God, what a place to grow up. Because I went back, and the last times I went up to Lewis, my sister, and she's living in the in the in the family home, and she walks her dog down on the beach every day. And I go, you don't realise how lucky you are. <laughs> yeah, she sends you pictures, does it? She just turned yeah, away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, no, I have I have amazing memories of of being in Lewis. Yeah, yeah, that's that's brilliant. Yeah, and it's nice you can still go back there to you still have a connection. Yes, yeah, no, very much so. I don't go often that often, um, as often as I probably should. But yeah, no, it's it's a it's an amazing retreat to go back to. Mm. I have to give it a selling point now. 
uh, we used to spend our summers in a, a place in the southern part of the island, and there's a beach called Luskentire. So if you Google Luskentire mm-hmm. in Hallis, in the southern part of, of Isle of Lewis, it's one of the most stunning beaches you'll ever see. Wow. It's amazing. We used to spend like two weeks there every every summer and then every other time in between. <laughs> but it's got these miles of pure white sand and it's just, it used to amaze me when we go there and then you'd sometimes you get these tourists coming up from England and going, where's this place? <laughs> yeah. Have you heard of it? It's supposed to rival the Whit Sundays, isn't it? That is meant to be that impressive, I think. It, it's it's an amazing place. So yeah, no, there's lots of things that I appreciate now um, being older than I never I used to take for granted when I was a kid. Oh, everyone does though, don't they? Yeah. And being a, a Macrae, yes, you've got quite not a mackerel as you've been called in the oh, past. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Martin mackerel, <laughs> but you've got your own tartan, haven't you? And uh, a lot of heritage. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, fellow Scots listening to this will will understand that. Yeah. No, we've got. I think there's about four or five different tartans mm. for the Macrae. There's like a hunting one, a dress one, an ancient one. There's a few of them. Um, but yeah, we we do have our own tartan. Yeah. We've actually got our own castle as well. Yes. <laughs> you, and isn't it the one that's in? Outlander, the TV show. I don't know. I haven't seen that actually. It's in Highlander movie. Is it? Um, that castle that's in Highlander that is actually the McRae Castle. Gosh. Um, and the the funny thing was before it's it's a lot more touristy now. But I remember years ago going to visit um, the castle. It's on the route, by the way, on the west coast. If you go up towards Isle of Skye, it's right, it's right on that route that you, mm. you you pass it. You can't miss it. But there used to be a tiny little sort of tea shop in the edge of the castle and if you were a Macrae they'd have a little book that you could sign and they would give you a wee dram of whiskey ah. because you, you, you were a fellow Macrae amazing <laughs> it was really funny because now they've got this proper tourist shop across the road um, from the castle and you go in there and you think they, you know, they don't care if you're a Macrae or anything <laughs> yeah they're going to buy anything yeah. <laughs> But yeah, no, that's 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 owned by the McCray clan. So it was always like, that's my castle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's brilliant. It's quite cool. And on that topic, one of the team have asked, are you wearing a kilt? If not, would you like to be? <laughs> on a day like today, yes. probably be a good thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, 30 degrees. No, it's, um, I do have owned my kilt, my own kilt. Yeah, I. funny enough, I, because I got married in a kilt. It wasn't actually the Cray clan kilt when I got married. Ah. I got married in Denmark. Um, we hired one and then took it over. But no, it took me years before I actually bought my own kilt. And I was going to give my niece away at her wedding. And that's when I decided to buy my own kilt. Mm. So yeah, I do have a kilt. It's a very, very handsome looking kilt as well. I remember you getting it and showing us the pictures. <laughs> Some people find it a bit weird going, man in a dress. Ah, oh, no, it's brilliant. Um, so back to the art department stuff. Yes. You, I think your leadership is quite an inspiring approach. What would your advice be to other people who might be stepping into leadership roles? Oh, good question. Um, the reason why you're there in the first place is because you, there's an amazing team that you're working with 
and you need to, um, I think I said this before as well, you need to give them space to actually mm-hmm. do what they do best and kind of nudge as you go along. Mm-hmm. Um, do it tentatively. Don't go in there with a bulldozer and change everything. Unless, of course, you go in there because it's an absolute disaster and needs changing. (laughs) But, yeah, go in there and and see how it's run, see how it's been run, see see what the people are like, um, look at each other's strengths. Give them leadership um, tasks to do themselves because there's nothing worse than being dictated to by someone when you go, hang on a second, I can do that anyway. Mm. You you literally, you are nothing without the team you're working with. so anyone with egos, stay away. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're only as good as the people you work with. I've always said that. Yeah. Bring the best out of people. I think that's the key. Try and bring the best out of the people you work with. Mm. And, and you'll end up with something much more rewarding. That's great. And what do you think is important for building a good team within a small department? Like the same jokes. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sense of humour is important, isn't it? Sense of humour is very important. Um, I think it's the same same principles. Because if it's a small team, every, everyone's input has a larger impact on what goes on. Um, because if you are with a very small team, you just treat everyone equally with respect. I think that's the key. Mm. Doesn't matter what how big your team is, and keep it personal. Make things personal. The thing is, as well, you spend a lot of your day in your job. Um, and it's it sounds a bit cheesy, but it's kind of like your second family in a way. I know some people work to live mm. um, because obviously their their um, job is more of a means to kind of give them the freedom after work. But I think in our industry, everyone gets into it because they're so passionate about it. Mm. So I think, yeah, yeah, you know, give give them that due respect. Yeah, keep keep it lighthearted as well. Yeah. Especially, especially when um, a lot of people are working at home and uh, you don't get that support that you did when you're in person. I think that's a huge thing as well. Mm. Um, sorry, I'm going off tangent a bit here, but yeah. I think it's so important to, even if you're working from home a lot, I think it's important even just to meet your team, have get-togethers, go out to the pub together, go and have lunch together, do whatever it is you can do to kind of bond with your team. Mm. So important. Because it's like it can be very isolating, especially if you're spending half your week at home and not in the office. Mm. You don't really know how someone is um, during the day. They might have a really bad day, but you can't tell because you're yeah. not there with them. Yeah. Um, so be be open and, and be you know if you care for the people you work with, you'll get it back. Um, mm. I think that just makes the work better because when when it gets tough and you're on a t- tough deadline, that's the times when a strong team actually gets you through it because then you don't have it all on one shoulder you have it all you're all sharing the load yeah um, and it's everyone gets the reward out of it yeah that kind of feeds into another question i got which is your experience of working freelance versus in a team slash company mm. how do you describe the differences yeah because i came as a i was a freelancer for 10 years um you know the industry was different it's funny because it's because I wasn't used to it. Um, I was actually a little bit intimidated by it, thinking, yeah. "Oh God, I'm working for a company now." It was a bit sort of overpowering. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, you're sort of this ind- independent person um, by yourself. I think it's you get used to that sense of you have to trust the people around you, mm-hmm. um, and you have to open up more to the people around you. 
And then, because I remember the first couple of years when I first joined, I was a bit like, mm, maybe I'll stay here for a couple of years and I'll go back and do something else freelance. Yeah. Um, but what kept me there was the people yeah. and that sense of just backing each other up when the shit hit the fan. Yeah. <laughs> you go, hang on, we can do this. <laughs> and that was really an eye-opener for me uh, coming from the freelance world. Mm. And I think that's something that we're lucky with as far as our department is concerned, because as a lot of people who are freelance artists, um, they, they do stay that way for most of their career. But I think the, the added benefit of working in an art department like this, that you're actually part of this team, is that little reason where you back each other's strengths up. Mm. And you'll get that on a project as well where you might get stuck. Yeah. Everyone, it happens to everybody. Yeah. So there might be something that you're doing, you go, you literally hit a creative brick wall and you literally turn to your, your colleague beside you and go, can you help me out? I'm, I'm literally got a brain block here. Mm. And then instantly after a five-minute conversation, you can unleash that and then you help each other out. And I think that sort of way of working mm. is something that's made our department really strong. So that would be the bonus of, of being in a department as opposed to being freelance. And the artists thrive on that, don't they? Teaching each other new things. That seems to yes. be quite a... They're very happy to share. Yeah, no, very much so. It's just that matter of asking. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Hmm. And so we already know you're very creative and you like to have a, a good little jingle jangle, but what <laughs> other areas are you creative in in your life? Um, I think oh, one thing actually that um, I never thought I was into was gardening. Mm. Gardening, you say? <laughs> um, it was COVID. I used to just treat the gardeners. Oh, I could cut the grass and then go and sit out there with a cup of tea or a beer, and that's about it. But um, because obviously lockdown made me realise, well, this is my back office. This is you know, this is this is where I have my lunches. This is what I spend most of my time. So I actually started getting into gardening. Yeah, I've gone nuts now. <laughs> almost, almost broken my back doing it. <laughs> So legs and hips and all sorts, um, but no, I've 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 re um, I've re landscaped most of it now. Yeah. No, it's good fun. Yeah, you take a lot of pride in it, haven't you? Especially this yeah. year. Yeah, it's something I always used to think. Oh, that's just what old people. No. It's really good for good for the soul. It's good for the body. It's good for the mind. It's good for everything. And it changes. You're lucky enough to have one. That's the thing. Um, yeah. I know a lot of people. They're not. In, they're not. They're not in that position where you're in a flat or something. But if you've got one. But even houseplants, yeah. you, you're quite keen on houseplants too, yeah. aren't you? So. Surrounded by them. <laughs> yeah, all your friends. <laughs> yeah. but I have to say, though, when it comes to houseplants or, or garden um, questions, Fern, I turn to you. Yeah. Fern, the perfect name to someone who knows a lot about gardening. Right, yeah. You're a horticultural expert, you are. Well, not quite. I'd love to be, but I like all the nerdy stuff. That's You know all the Latin words. No, I have a book. That's, that's how it works. Um, but you also do painting, don't you? You've got a, you're still doing. That. Yeah, no, I still, I still keep my hand at uh, the old actual paintbrush on on canvas. Yeah, no, now and again I do. Yeah, it's don't have, again. I don't have enough time to do it that much these days. But when I do, yeah, I love it. Just sort of that is the time when I just turn the music on and just get lost in the canvas. Mm. It's a, it's a nice feeling. You have something tangible in front of you. Yeah. Do you find now that you don't do as much? Is it harder to get back into or are the skills still there? You just, it's like turning on a tap. It's still there, but I think you, it's a habit. 
I think mm. everyone lives their lives with habits. And I think you can fall out of habits of doing certain things. Um, and painting, unfortunately, at the moment is something I haven't done for a while. Mm. But I think you, you need to kick your butt sometimes to get back into whatever you love doing. I think that's really important, actually, um, in general. Mm. It's like, don't have put all your efforts into your job. Because, you, you know, if you fulfill your life with other things you like to do, actually it makes you your day job a lot better as well. Yeah. Yeah, you've got to kick your own ass now and again just to <laughs> do these things. Soul enriching, isn't it? No, totally. And do you ever get nervous talking to clients? I used to, mm. um, of course, because obviously when I was landed in this position, you know, you'd suddenly find yourself in front of a famous person. You think, oh my God, me <laughs> to them. Like I remember, okay, so name dropping, mm. um, working on Avatar. Oh. Um, we were dealing with James Cameron because I was mainly part just in the room and observing what he was saying. Um, but then there was one day when we were doing this uh, LinkedIn. Um, this this um, wasn't Zoom we were using then, but it, we were having a conference call with him. Hmm. And I had to take the reins that day because we were talking about the the sequence that I was doing. Because basically we were doing, if you remember in the film, there was that landing sequence when they come down to the sort of the airport mm. pad area where they had lots of buildings around it. Yeah. And the first that was their main sort of landing base on the on the planet. And we were doing all the kind of there was like a refinery and all these buildings that were around them in the background. Um, my job was to kind of come up with the look of what sort of all these buildings were. So this day, I had to present to James Cameron um, with all the start process, what we were doing. So we had reference images of where we got the inspiration from and then sort of renders of and test models we were working with. I was shitting myself. <laughs> <laughs> my voice was a bit shaky. like <laughs> Sweaty palms. <laughs> I was nervous as hell. Um, but then about halfway through, I'm going, actually, he's, 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 this guy's all right. And he was, actually. He was really nice to deal with. Um, and he was literally just, we were just talking about, you know, the creative process of what, what it is we, we had to finish off for him. So, yeah, I was super nervous mm. back then. But, I mean, ever since then, you have to understand when you speak to a client, they're just a human being like you. Um, they, seriously, I think a lot of people put clients too much on a pedestal. Mm. Um, yes, they are doing an amazing job, and uh, half the time, when you think about the pressures that a director has, that's immense, and what they've got to go through, and what what they've got to juggle in their daytime. You know, mm-hmm. not everyone's equipped to be able to do that. So that is a very respectful thing when you speak to them. But at the same time, they're just like you. They 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 are out to make the best out of what they want to try and create, mm-hmm. and you're there just to help them. And you know, and hopefully they can get what they need done by working with them. And so I think that the penny dropped one day mm-hmm. when literally just that realized. Because I think what I try and do with clients is I try and talk about normal things. Yeah. Before we get into all the nitty gritty, <laughs> I think that's if you're ner- if you if you're doing it for the first time, I don't know. Talk about the weather. Talk about your dog. Talk about normal things, and you'll get that back. And it breaks the ice, and it kind of breaks the barrier off hierarchy yeah that's a good idea because literally that way you go oh hang on they've got a dog like me you know whatever it is you talk about it helps humanize the the whole conversation and i think once you get past that and then you start talking about the work then then it's you know all the fears are gone yeah you're probably forming a better bond as well aren't you by you make it memorable 
Because you have to think about their point of view. They're speaking to lots of different people all the time. Mm. Um, and they don't want to speak to this monochromatic, monotone <laughs> sort of robot on the other side. <laughs> they want to bounce ideas off a human being um, because that's, you know, it's a very creative world we're living in. Mm. So, yeah, break, break the ice early. I think that's that would be my advice. Yeah. But then, yeah, um, yes, I used to be really nervous. But now it's more like... Oh god, I can't wait. Yeah. That's probably your practice theory coming in as well. Yeah. And there's nothing better than coming off a call and then you, you know, you get an e- email from them and you go, Oh god, that was great and let's do this next and you know, and then it's off then the creativity kicks in. Yeah. I do love it when when you're on a call and you share a joke and it yeah. there's you know when people aren't sure whether to laugh or not. And there's Well, I'll give you a good one. Um in the middle of lockdown we were doing um uh, we were doing a character design and uh, there was director, there was two directors, two directors there, there was production, there was agency people, there was all sorts, there was a sort of a wall full of like six to ten people. And there was one person who was going to come on. And the director had his own, yeah, because you know, everyone was used to Zoom glitching and freezing and stuff. He goes, when they come in, everyone freeze. <laughs> so literally the director had everyone waiting for this producer to jump on. And we all just went like that and froze. <laughs> But about yeah. five seconds. And I heard we heard the person going, Oh shit, my zoom's broken. And then everyone just burst out laughing. Yeah, just being silly can make Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> clients can be silly too, thank God. Yeah, they're the best ones, aren't they? Yeah, no, they are. Um what would you say for because there's a lot of people who want to get into concept art, so what would you say are some of the key skills needed for concept artists in our department, for example? Um First of all, can't be a psycho. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Gotta be a nice person. Um, no, in all seriousness, um, I think the key things, obviously your technical skill of being able to draw certain things and draw to a certain level, it's obviously good to have, but it's not vital because, um, again, you can learn all these things. The key thing is to have um, an open mind about design um, I mean, that's basically what our job is. We, we're designing something that's original, mm-hmm. um, that um, we get that classic thing. Give me something I've never seen before. <laughs> um, so you have to be really open-minded about trying lots of ideas, um, get inspiration from all sorts of different things. Like you might be designing a character or a creature. Maybe you you've got that cheese grater and you think oh god that's great texture for the skin or something you know what i mean mm-hmm. you've you got to i'm not going to use that phrase think outside the box because i hate that hey. but you've got mm-hmm. to think in different ways of getting inspiration it's that what if question isn't it like what if this was skin yeah texture? exactly yeah. and don't if the first idea that comes into your head and you think oh that's great don't just stick to it self-analyze it do it draw it come up with a sketch for it put it down, leave it, try another one, keep trying different ideas until eventually you home in on the best thing. Because that's something I learned a number coming through the years was that when you did sort of come up, sometimes the first idea is the best one and, and you know, that does happen. But nine times out of 10, if you do that and then you can't try other ones and you combine elements of all the other ones, you will end up with a better looking image, better design, better everything mm-hmm. because you're trying all sorts of avenues. And I think that's the thing Try and get your inspiration from lots of different places. Yeah. That's key. And don't be afraid to make a mistake. Oh, yeah. Because we all make mistakes. and We all do 
crap artwork and you think oh god i shouldn't be doing this but it happens to everybody yeah keep practicing yeah it's just having a bit of faith in yourself isn't it yeah no totally so a few little questions okay when working from home how do you generally spend your lunch hour um well if it's not pouring or rain um <laughs> what i tend to do is go for a quick walk first mm-hmm. and then come back and sit and have lunch in the garden on a nice day but yeah stretch the legs move yeah. around yeah that's really important because i think everyone um home working will will know this one where you you can spend you realize that you spent two hours on your bum in front of your computer and you haven't moved mm. and i think that's there's that feeling as well where you feel a bit guilty that you're not at your desk yes isn't that weird it is weird yeah i think it's so important to literally like if you're in the office uh you know at some point you'd have a cup of tea or whatever yeah. you'd, have a, you'd have a little five minute break mm. um just make sure you have your little five minute breaks just to get away from the screen because you know looking at the screen all day is not good for you no yeah it's uh we could all learn from that and i think as well booking your holidays <coughs> martin yeah no i'm terrible at booking holidays. <laughs> they get booked for you now <laughs> <laughs> you have to take your time off <laughs> I know I'm terrible at doing that. Yeah, but you can't help it, can you? Because you sometimes get stuck into things and then you just want to finish it. And... Yeah, yeah. I think that's the, the, the thing as well, where home life and work life, when you're at home, it blurs and you kind of drift into working late and you realise, oh my God, it's dinner time. And you know, think, oh, I'll just do another 10 minutes or 20 minutes. And then <sighs> two hours later, I'm still there. You go, what are you doing? Yeah. And yet you tell off someone in your team for doing that. Yeah, exactly. We're all, we're all fault for doing that. But I think the key is just to be conscious of it. Um, actually, here's a bit of funny advice. So Sam Rowan, um, one of our artists, uh, he showed me yesterday he's got a little um, sand. Oh, an egg tile. Oh. Yeah, quite a big one. And it's like a half an hour one. So he bought it so that you literally turn it, and then half an hour you got to get up and walk around oh. and then come back to your desk. So at least you have a little sort of half an hour break. Oh, that's a great idea. I wonder if he was using that when I was talking to him yesterday to try and get rid of well, it. Did, did he leave halfway through the conversation? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> started to charge me. Yeah. But yeah, no, the key is just to um, get up and move around because you, you can't sit here for hours without realising. That's dangerous, isn't it? Yeah, it's not good. No, and it, I guess a creative that's got to start to impact how creative you are and interest in that. It does. And I, I remember um, reading an article about creativity and the science, the science behind creativity. And one thing that was clear was out of the, the test they had done, if you change your environment, you spark um, creativity in your brain. Mm. So the key is do something different every day that you don't. If you have a routine and you do the same routine day after day after day, you're going to kill your creativity. Yeah. So it could literally just be, if you're going for a walk, walk down a different street for a change, or, you know, it could be anything. Yeah. That's the creativity. If you do that, you try and observe things like a child of the, how interesting a leaf might be, or try and find a bug, that kind of. Yeah. Creativity comes from all sorts. Yeah. I think that was one of the, 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 one of the negative things about not being in the office as well, is that especially in Chancellor Lane, there's all glass and everyone sees each other and you're in the lift and half the time you'd end up having a conversation with someone in the lift and you go, oh, that's a good idea. Let's do this. Or, you know what I mean? You, you, you'd always get sort of that stimulation. Mm. Um, so if you're spending half your week or whatever um, your flexi time is, 
try and do something like that in your home time as well. So you don't get stuck in a rut because creatively you will start sort of drying up. Mm, that's great. That's that's something we can all try to put into practice and yeah. actually mix things up a bit. And do you have a favourite project that you worked on, or is that too hard? There's lots of good ones. Yeah. Um, actually, that pitch I'm doing now, I'm really loving it. Yeah. The feedback you got last night, just to say how well Martin did, that the director, did you say he was so happy he could cry that he saw that picture? It's like someone has visualised what was in his head. That was really yeah. cool. <laughs> and Martin, trying to be super humble, was just sat there like, yep, <laughs> that was me. <laughs> oh, God, favourite. Oh, God. I I'm, I think I've talked about this before, but I do have to say Blade Runner. It's just because I was an absolute huge Ridley Scott fan and Blade Runner just, just sort of, I was desperate to work on that movie. Absolutely desperate. <laughs> I remember we did all these, like, tons of images to go, please, please let us work on it. Mm. But, you know, for me, that was, yeah, to be part of something that was iconic like that, that was just, yeah... That was great. That's that, yeah. This I love my day job so much. <laughs> yeah. The nerd of me came out. Full nerd for about a year and a half. Yeah, <laughs> it was. It was about a year and a half. Yeah. Yeah, that's brilliant. Um, I think that's all my questions. Wow, that's great. Honestly, I've been frantically taking notes throughout all of this because I'm taking some of this advice. Like the whole conversation around creativity alone. I mean, you could have a whole. You know, two-part episode on the craft of creativity. I mean, there's so much interesting stuff in there. Um, but, I mean, my takeaways from that, Martin and Fern, is um, what you said about you're only as good as the people you work with. I think is I'm gonna I'm gonna quote you in my next leadership workshop. There, that was awesome. And <laughs> um, my personal advice, because I have a little Instagram page and do my own little doodles and stuff, and I haven't. T- I'm, I'm finding it really hard to make time to do it. And I think your advice just to kind of kick your own ass. I just think is I'm I'm taking that away and I'm gonna I'm gonna make the time and I'm gonna buy an hourglass I think for all my meetings yeah. now you know we talk about time management and time boxing uh, if whether it's virtual or in person I'm just gonna carry it around with me I think I'm just gonna go right we've got half an hour pff, yeah and make sure it's in view <laughs> on the camera so at least you can say right you're nearly out of sand anything else you want to cover because <laughs> I'm very busy it was funny because when when Sam showed it to me this yesterday it was literally yesterday he showed it to me I says Sam you you want to start a trend now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm doing it. You bought one on Amazon. It was about sort of, I don't know, six inches tall for about a tenner. Amazing. So, yeah. I want to get a real old fashioned one, you know, all kind of wood carvings on it. Yeah, that'd be cool. Same. Oh, going to some antique store to buy one. But yeah, Amazon definitely. Um, Awesome. Honestly, that was great. Really, really great. I've enjoyed every minute of this, both well, both of the, the both parts of your episode, Martin and Fern. I think I've learned a lot. Um, it's been an amazing insight into the art department. Amazing insight into you, both of you. I've learned a lot. I'm glad we got to talk about Jimmy C, you know, James Cameron on Avatar <laughs> and, and yeah. that whole. And actually what you said about, because um, uh, I, just, I just ran my first confidence boost workshop for Framestore folks a couple of days ago, where we talk about imposter syndrome. We talk about that you know everybody is you know has their own stuff to deal with everybody's human yeah. everybody goes to the toilet all of this you know we talk <laughs> about that you know i mean there's this whole thing about when you look at there's a 16th century um essayist who talks about and nobody sees um an aristocrat or a king or queen better than the their um their servants or you know the butler yeah, or, yeah, yeah. 
uh, or, or, or in the military where there are people who are just below the generals and they see people at their worst. And I just think yeah. it's a real, it's a real leveler. So what you said about um, imposter syndrome and that, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're just, they're, they're human beings too, I think really resonates. And uh, there's a ton in there. I'd love to see your paintings, Martin. If this was a video podcast, I'd, I'd get you to kind of take us to your uh, <laughs> studio and show us some, uh, some acrylic work. Um, unfortunately this is an audio only podcast so people don't get that treat but um yeah a great a great episode thank you both and thanks for being so well prepared fern honestly it's uh some really really strong questions in there oh, well thank you for having us yeah absolute pleasure i was so nervous going into this <laughs> oh you couldn't tell honestly it's such a great conversation one of my i would say arguably this has been my favorite episode i say it on every episode but this is my favorite officially now <laughs> my favorite episode um, but yeah, again, I never know how to end these podcasts. So I'm just going to say thank you, uh, Martin and Fern. You've been brilliant guests. Uh, and uh, yeah, see you around. Enjoy the rest of your day. And thanks for being on the Fame Store podcast. Yeah. Absolute pleasure. Yeah. Take care. See you soon. You too. Thank you. Bye. Well, that wraps up this week's episodes. It just leaves me to thank Martin for being another brilliant guest. Fern for being this week's excellent guest co-host and special thanks as always to Sam Sosnowski from the global training team for another awesome edit. We'll be back in another two weeks with another guest from our global frame store community. Thanks for listening. We'll see you then.